Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Paula Scatalani and Rachel Lewis Marlowe on applying attachment theory to eating disorder treatment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Today, I'm going to be interviewing two people on the podcast at the same time. They are co-developers of a program called Embodied Recovery, and this is an eating disorder treatment program that we're going to be talking about. So let me tell you a little bit about both of the women who will be on the show today. The first one is Paula Scataloni, and um, she is a somatic-based psychotherapist and a certified eating disorder specialist and a somatic experiencing practitioner from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She's worked in the field of eating disorders for over two decades, and she's also served as the eating disorder coordinator at Duke University for nine years and has taught extensively on the etiology and treatment of eating disorders at different workshops, conferences, trainings, etc. She co-developed the first intensive outpatient program for eating disorders in the United States with Dr. Anita Johnston. Paul is passionate about increasing awareness of the effectiveness of somatic modalities in the treatment of disordered eating and hopes to pursue research on the effectiveness of somatic therapy within the eating disorders population in the near future. Our second guest is Rachel Lewis Marlowe, and she is a somatically integrative psychotherapist, and she's duly licensed in counseling and therapeutic massage and body work. She is an advanced practitioner of sensory motor psychotherapy and has advanced training and 25 years of experience in other somatic therapies, including cranial sacral therapy, energetic osteopathy, oncology massage, and aromatherapy. Rachel is also a private consultant to eating disorder treatment facilities and provides ongoing training and supervision to clinical and support staff in the programmatic implementation of the embodied recovery model. She is also in private practice in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I'm very thrilled to introduce both Paula and Rachel to the podcast today, and they will be coming right up. Get ready for an immersive, in-depth series of discussions featuring the one and only Michael Trout alongside Karen Doyle Buckwalter. Coming soon to the Knowledge Center is Navigating Hollowed Ground, insights on how attachment impacts who we are and how we serve others. Using select readings from Michael Trout's upcoming book release, Michael and Karen will dive deep into four topics presented in four sessions. Participants will receive the readings prior to each meeting to deepen the discussion and enhance the experience. And since the readings come directly from Trout's book, This Hollowed Ground Four Decades in Infant Mental Health, you're getting advanced excerpts from the book. For more information or to register for the sessions, head to tkcchaddock.org. 
Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to our continued discussion here about the program uh, Embodied Recovery, a way of working with eating disorders that Paula Scatoloni and Rachel Lewis Marlowe have co-developed together. And we've been talking about the overlay of attachment theory and eating disorders um, and talking about how that is woven into the way they approach eating disorders. So, so welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Great to, to be here. here. Yeah. So I know that um, one of one of the things that that we we talked about a little bit last time um, was just uh, I think Rachel, you were talking about the more body physical aspect of eating disorders, and it's not thinking about your body, but what is actually happening in your body. And I think that that might be an interesting um, place for, for us to start out here. Um, and then we can move more into your treatment approach. And I would love to also hear some sort of a, a composition case study, just like this is how we might work with someone to kind of put all these pieces together for someone. Um, but Talking to us more, Rachel, about, I mean, you're, you're using words like digestion and, you know, food coming into the body and, you know, and I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, well, you know, t- tell me more about that. You know, we, we mm-hmm. as clinic, you know, as psychotherapists aren't often thinking that physical, of course, you know, sensory motor mm-hmm. psychotherapists, <laughs> maybe more so, but could you just share a little bit more about those concepts? Yeah. So let me just check in. Paula, is it okay if we start with like talking a little bit more about like the action yes, cycle and start true. from there? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of components and what we've done is was woven a bunch of different maps to help us explore this and the yes. intersection of yes. digestion and relationship. So- the first thing that that we look at is that this idea of um, the action of feeding and eating is has a lot of different stages to it. You know, first we have to clearly know whether we're hungry or not and know what it is we want to eat, right? So we have to have sort of this this clarity. And then we have to be able to take action to gather it, to select it, to prepare it right? Reaching out into the world to get the food that we want. Uh Then we have to be able to start to ingest it, to take it in, break it down, swallow it, and take it into our inner world, right? So eating is a relationship between the outside world and the inside world, Mm. right? And then we have to be able to break it down internally. We have to be able to digest it and absorb it and eliminate. So it's a filtering process. What of what is out there am I going to take in and incorporate into who I am, my sense of self? And what am I going to let go of, right? And and then be done, I'm gonna stop, and I'm gonna be able to do that internal process of of integration, but I have to stop eating in order to do that. So there's all of these different stages of the eating process, and eating disorders are not just, do I restrict, do I binge, do I purge? It's where in this action cycle is the process breaking down? Do I know when I'm hungry? Or full. And some people truly aren't getting that message from their body. They can't, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so this like that, the interruption that may present itself as 
restricting or binging, right? But physiologically, there's a deficit in their ability to get really clear signals from their body. Then there's the sense of, well, I do know, but it's not okay for me to act on that. Can, I can't reach out. I don't have something, something happens in my nervous system that says it's not okay. And, it, and, the, and the whole process shuts down. So I can't actually take action to move from inside to outside. And that, when we see that that's the place where the feeding process is interrupted, we can also look at, okay, how is that reflected in other aspects of your life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Is it okay for you to express your desires, your wants, right? Um, what happens in your family system, in your peer group, in your professional attachment system when you do that? And do you have a somatic scaffold that supports the ability to reach, to reach out into the world towards what you want? And a lot of times what we're seeing is that there isn't, there isn't that body support for these actions we're asking people to take. They haven't embodied that ability, right? So earlier you talked about how, um, I think last week when we were talking about refeeding, and we can get people to the right body size, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. But if they aren't in that body, and then they still feel horrible. They may know, okay, I'm, you know, like, the, I, they may believe the idea that um, I'm okay no matter, my, my worth isn't in my body size. But if they don't feel a sense of embodiment and ease of movement towards that action we're asking them to take, it doesn't feel true. Truth, truth is an alignment of our thoughts, our emotions, and our body organization. So I think it might be helpful for listeners if you define how you're using the word embodiment mm -hmm. and how you're using the word scaffolding so that they can understand a little yeah. bit more what you're meaning by that. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going, Paula? Do you want to? Well, I can speak to embodiment yeah. a bit. So embodiment is when um, our, is in a subjective experience, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have a felt sense of who we are right? And where our sense of who we are, our consciousness about ourselves and our the matter of who we are come together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we embody our feet, we embody our gut, we embody. So our consciousness lives in parts of our body and we have a subjective experience from that place. Yeah. Yes. And when we are embodied, we have a robust window. We have capacity for these um, tasks that Rachel Art is talking about. Yes. Right? We have effectiveness in our ability to reach, mm -hmm. effectiveness in our ability to take in and digest. Mm -hmm. So those processes, we embody those processes, and when we're embodied, we can actively engage in those processes. Mm -hmm. You want to add to it? Yeah. 
I think the other way that I talk about embodiment is that it's uh, it's this combination of awareness of our bodies and awareness from our bodies. And the more that of our body that we can be aware from, like, can I not just be aware of my my maybe my my gut, you know, but can I be aware from it? Can I really listen to how my gut responds to the world around me? Can I be aware of my hand? And can I be aware from my hand? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if if I reach out, what does my hand encounter? Not just what does my eyes encounter or what do my thoughts encounter? Right. So the more of our body that we can be aware from, right? The more we that that's our that's the scaffold. It's like, am I getting support for the actions that I want to take from my whole body, from mm-hmm. my physiology, from my kinesiology, from my anatomy, my physiology, movement, etc. And yeah. much of those processes have to do with introception and proprioception, which the eating disorder field has identified as an issue where there's deficits. They've been mm-hmm. able to name that, you know, 14, 15 years ago, those were buzzwords. We, they know it's important, but they don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. and how to enhance it other than yoga. That's about all they do in treatment settings. Yeah. So let's take some of this that you've talked about now and put it back, you know, into um, the lens of attachment theory Mm -hmm. and, you know, how you think about this from an attachment perspective Mm -hmm. and how that guides your work. Um, And as I said, if you can share any you know, examples from specific cases. I always think that makes the information come alive for folks um, to actually, uh, obviously, keeping confidentiality uh, and um, things like that um, private. But let's bring all this back to attachment theory and how you think about those different attachment cycles, um, Mm -hmm. well, not cycles, I don't want to say cycles, uh, different attachment classifications and patterns, Mm -hmm. how that's in your work. um, Yeah. And hear about that. So... We have to start with this idea of the relational cycle, which is something that comes from Bonnie Brainbridge Cohen and Body Mind Centering, okay, which is this looking at movement as the foundation for attachment. That movement mm-hmm. is really this relationship between the inside world and the outside world. And she has identified these five different dynamics of movement that. Um, Start with yield, push, reach, grasp, and pull, and go back to yield. Okay. And so, again, this kind of talks to that scaffold that we're talking about for, for attachment. And so what we look at is how these relational movements... Mm-hmm. I love that word or that phrase, relational movements. How these relational movements support this action cycle that I was talking about, that there are specific movements and movement dynamics, I should say, relational dynamics that support things like clarity, that support reaching out for what you want, that support taking in, right? And so we look at those relational movements and at each one of them, we can have, we can solve that problem of, of expanding into contact, right? And that pressing, right? That, that gives us 
a sense of of ourselves, our core, and of that there's something outside, that there's a you, and it, it develops that sense of boundaries and connectedness, right? And if that is is not fully on board, we're going to start to see um, challenges in that interception and that knowledge of clear sense of hunger and fullness cues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I getting to sort of are we bringing it back into attachment a little mm-hmm. bit here? Mm-hmm. So, so we're looking at that movement scaffold and we're seeing that at each one of those stages, what we might see is either an overbounded kind of, of um, way of navigating uh, an attachment deficit, right? Where mm-hmm. if, if I come out to contact something and it's really prickly, I'm going to contract away from it, right? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we might get sort of that avoidant attachment style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas if when I come out to expand into something and I press against it and it's really kind of like placid or not there, it's sort of like it's not really available, I might start to develop an underbounded response to that movement and have what we might think of as more of an anxious attachment style, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or it may be a little of both, and I'm developing this disorganized attachment style where it's like some yes. things are overbounded and some things are underbounded, yes. right? And we're going to do that at each of these different stages of of the relational cycle and the develop and the action cycle. So instead of just getting overbounded or underbounded or anxious and attachment disorganized, we're getting, well, how did we navigate the push? How do we navigate the reach? How do we navigate the grasp and pull and yield? So we're getting more like nine different strategies for navigating an attachment system that wasn't fully available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite it's quite fascinating this idea of relational um, movement. Um, I, I'm thinking of um, I've done a lot of study with George Downing in video intervention therapy. So um, I've looked at a lot of videos of mothers and their babies, and he talks a ton about body positioning and even just when the baby's playing and how the mother approaches the play and whether it's in a joining or a blocking or a changing way exactly uh, quite fascinating and you know he looking at these videos this carefully and seeing how um, a caregiver can use their whole body in a way that is just watching it you would never think about it unless you were like really slowing it down but the body is being used to completely block for example what the baby's trying to do another um, fascinating piece um, is in, in my work with him is looking at feeding disorders and He talks about um, the timing, both in conversation, but also in feeding. uh, His term, um, I don't know if it originates with him, but the switching pause, where there needs to be a certain rhythm with the feeding. And often when there are feeding disorders, the rhythm is off. The food is either coming too quickly or too Mm -hmm. slowly. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, 
it can be a microsecond off this matters <laughs> right right and and what you're talking about there is that yield right yes, that place yes. of stop there because yes. if we don't fully stop we can't really start according to what we actually need Right? right and so often especially in our culture which is a go 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 culture um we don't we don't value the stopping as part of the action right. that's needed right 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 so like, so anyway just just anyway. wanting to, to bring <laughs> yeah. some of that in just in terms of um you know um the timing um and use of body positioning in attachment development of early attachment relationships and it's just all really quite fascinating and intriguing so yeah so paula paula do you, where do you want to to add well, to that I do think, you want to bring it into a client well i was thinking of a client but i was also thinking one thing that's different about our training is the participants in our training are studying their own attachment Yes. dynamics because yes. that's good as a as the clinician Can never go wrong there <laughs> yeah as a clinician <clears throat> you are the primary attachment figure and so if you don't understand your process your uh, relationship with this cycle yes. and your character strategy you can collude you can end yes. up colluding with your clients and not supporting what needs to happen and so, we're, suddenly, we're suddenly getting a lot of feedback yes there's a mower outside oh sorry yeah i think they're blowing leaves back okay. behind us okay okay <laughs> all right so as rachel um is describing for the client the importance of oh, yeah. being able to see beyond just the food behaviors and, and understanding them in in relation to attachment um part of the facilitation of change requires the therapist, the provider, the dietitian, the treatment staff member to understand how they are or how they are not supporting yield, what their relationship is with yield, what their relationship is with reach or with push, because you will end up in dynamics if you do not understand your own system yes. that perpetuate or you know, keep keep that struggle from progressing into something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, um, so that was one piece I thought was important to mention. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of thinking about a client and how we treat a client is is very different than a traditional eating disorder provider. Yeah, and and I think that that starts with our assessment. Uh, you know, um, because we aren't just asking for the behaviors yes and trying to eliminate them we're, we start how do we cultivate curiosity about how your body is communicating through these behaviors yes um and the leaf blower may be coming back sorry um and and i think it's that development of compassionate curiosity which is in and of itself a repair of the attachment system yes 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 Mm -hmm. Right. So part of what we're doing is, is we are, again, recognizing that that the relationship is the medicine. Yes. OK. And that how we show up in the room matters. Yes. Um, and how we listen matters, how we greet what they're saying. And so that it's is not about 
helping them take up space in the world, but it's how do we help create space? How do we build spaciousness through our relationship, right? And so, and then how do we make space for exploring, for exploring what is innate in the human condition in terms of going out into the world, coming back inside. Um, so the first thing that I'm going to be doing is just really looking at how is this person showing up in the room, right? As we're talking about their relationship with food, I'm looking in real time, how does this person, um, how do they how do they exist in this room in relationship with me? Right? Yes. Where are they contracted? Where are they overbounded? Where are they underbounded? Where in the window of tolerance are they? And, and we, we really look that at, at where do they look like they're in the window, like they're saying the right things, but their body is saying something totally different. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got somebody who may have a whole lot of insight into they can talk about things. Mm -hmm. Right. But they aren't speaking from them, their, those experiences in them in themselves in that moment. Right. And so they aren't even in the room. And I think the first thing we do is is work on what helps you land in the room. Because if you're not really here, you're not embodied, and you're not really taking in energy, either whether it is coming through food or human contact or your relationship with nature or spirituality, whatever it is that nourishes you, mm -hmm. you're not taking it in if you're not there to receive it. Yes. It's like ordering a lot of packages from Amazon, but you're never home to get them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paula, does anything come to mind for you of clients? Um, I mean, this is notoriously a, a tough issue to work with. Um, and so I would imagine many of your folks have been in treatment before and when they say this is so different with you, it's different because what, yeah. what do you think they, or, or really from either of you. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because um, I'm not going to ask them to solve this by, by just using cognition mm -hmm. and to regulate using cognition. Uh, I'm offering tools, regulation tools for regulation, similar to Bruce Perry's work. Right. That are at the sensory motor level to to enhance the physiology to support regulation. Mm -hmm. And that is completely blows their mind mm -hmm. because they have not been offered a weighted CBT, pillow before. CBT has been one of the main things out. Cognitive yes. behavioral therapy, very much yes. looking at changing your thinking patterns. Yeah. And well, and DBT exactly. too. DBT has been used a lot in yes. treatment centers, right? Yes. To help with this idea. The, 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 the challenge is that DBT requires that you have access to your frontal cortex yes. in, order, in order to access those skills. And, and our folks, are, that's not where they're at. They are, what's driving this is a pre-cortical. Pre you know, pre yeah. So we have to give them interventions yes. that support that. Yes. Yes. So, yes. so they, are, they are leaving my office with a weighted pillow. 
Uh, we are using wa hot water bottles on the gut. We are using TheraBands for Thera stretching. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's amazing. You, you just give someone an experience of, of, of accurate proprioception through the use of TheraBands, and all of a sudden their, their stomach starts to gurgle, and they go, oh, I think I'm hungry. It's like, oh, yeah, right? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, sometimes we use aromatherapy just oh, to help nice. bring them down, and so they're starting yes. to track and feel the difference in their nervous systems. Great. Well, hey, as we're ready to wrap things up here, I, I mean, I first want to say this has been a fascinating discussion, um, and I so much appreciate the time from both of you. Um, I'd like you to be able to share where people can learn more about your work, your website, where they could find out about training that you offer in this model. Um, anything that you would like to share for listeners have gotten a taste of your ideas, but I know there's so much more. Sure. If they'd like to learn more, they can visit our website at www.embodiedrecovery.org. On our website, we have a list of several podcasts and a resource list of some of the relevant research that we're pulling from. Dan Siegel's yes. work, polyvagal theory, attachment, Wonderful. sensory motor, somatic mm -hmm. experiencing. We also have a list of our trainings. Our next U.S. training is in March in Durham, North mm -hmm. Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then we're considering moving outside of the U.S. at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but we do travel and mm -hmm. we'll go to other cities. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we also have, each have a chapter in the book, Trauma-Informed Approaches to Eating Disorders. Oh, lovely. If, if that is something they would like yeah. to purchase through Amazon. Yeah. And I think the only thing that I would want to add about our training, particularly around attachment, is that whenever possible, we like to train both of us there together. And so you, they, people get to see our attachment system with each other in real time, yes. um, you know, because it's so important to just, you know, be willing to explore and, and, and have a good sense of humor about, about it as well. Yes. Yes. The partnership well, is important. Well, Rachel and Paula, thank you so much for being here and talking about this beautiful work. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about what you're doing because I think there are many out there who have struggled with eating disorders uh, many, many years that have not been able to go to a program and gain recovery. And we also know that it is one of the most lethal psychiatric diagnoses. Uh, so I'm just so thrilled of your ideas and your energy and everything you're putting out there. So thank you so much for, for being with us today and all of the best as you guys are move, moving forward with this work. Thank you. So thank you. We appreciate it. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future episodes. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.